You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 128. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start with a unique segment inspired by a listener, the Case 4 Debate. We highlight two growth companies from the renewable or green energy segment to debate. The first company, Zebec Absorption Inc., symbol XBC on the TSX Venture, and we look at Green Lane Renewables Inc., symbol GRN on the TSX Venture. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we look at CargoJet Inc., symbol CJT on the TSX, a provider of time-sensitive domestic network air cargo services. CargoJet has faced an almost perfect storm for its business in 2020, and its shares have doubled once again. The stock has been a tremendous long-term performer, and we look into its current valuations. Let's get right into the show this week. Brennan, Aaron, how are you guys doing, my co-hosts? I'm doing swell. Happy to be here, as always. Yeah, myself as well, getting uh, geared up towards Christmas, I'm sure. Aaron, at your household, how's that going? Oh, yeah, everybody's excited. Uh, we, we've had the tree up for a couple weeks, actually. We're a little early <laughs> nice. to the party. You never but, took so. it down. It's just been deaf all year. <laughs> I try to do that, but they, I won't be allowed this year. I'm in the Christmas mood all the time. No, but it is awesome to have it up and little kids running around. It's it's, it's awesome. It's a great time of year. Different this year, but you know you got to roll with the punches, and I think it should be a great Christmas, at least around here, hopefully around there. And Brennan, you're, you're putting up the tree all <laughs> By yourself. <laughs> I don't put up a tree. My mom, uh, she was on me to try to, she was trying to buy me one, but uh, unfortunately I don't. But I am going to be going back to uh, my hometown, but I made sure that I'm, uh, or I'm making sure that I'm going to quarantine. You're quarantining yourself. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be nice to see That's because you love the family, and, right? Exactly. That's good. I, I, I love yeah. that. Let's be serious, Brennan. Quarantining was a lifestyle for you even <laughs> it before is. COVID-19. Well, you know, with the PS4 of course, and stuff. I'm hardly nice. one to talk there yeah. because, you know. Outside of my family, it, it, it kind of was for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. Because I'm so busy with work. Of course, that's why, <laughs> course. right? Hey, everybody likes to hear that out there, right? Always leaving away, yeah. Now, Brandon, did you have a question for us? or did Yeah, we, so yeah. I had a question uh, that came in from actually Sounded one of really our webinar. <laughs> yeah, uh, that came in from one of our webinar attendees actually recently. And um, as people know, um, during our webinars, we usually uh, give away a few of our recommendations that are under coverage. Um, and a gentleman asked uh, that he noticed that a couple of the recommendations that uh, we gave away, the companies actually aren't uh, reporting a um, a positive earnings or th- these companies are reporting negative earnings on their uh, income statement. Um, so he was wondering how can Keystone recommend these companies if one of our first criteria is profitability? Um, and then he also asked, 
whether uh, we at Keystone use stock screeners uh, to basically look into uh, you know our, our stocks before we end up recommending them to our own clients. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? That's a great question. I think Aaron wants to start, don't you, Aaron? Certainly, I can, I can sure. give a go on that. So what you really need to do when you're talking about profitability and financial analysis is you need to differentiate between reported accounting earnings um, and real economic earnings. So reported accounting earnings, that's exactly what you're going to find at the bottom of the income statement um, in, in the reported financial results. Now, these earnings may be a good reflection of the profitability that the company is actually producing on a cash flow or economic basis, but they may not. And the reason why they may not is because there are a lot of accounting items that will go into the income statement, uh, into the earnings figure that actually have little to no bearing on the ongoing operations of the business. So there could be a gain on a sale of a property or a loss on the sale of a property, which is not necessarily a, a cash-based loss incurred in that period and not something that you would necessarily expect um, going forward. There could be a, a loss or a gain on derivatives or on foreign exchange. So these are the types of things that we typically adjust out of the income statement in order to get down to the economic cash-based profitability that was generated in that quarter and that you could use as a base to go off of when you're figuring out what the company is capable of producing with respect to earnings going forward. So some of these adjustments are fairly, uh, fairly common sense. Others are a little bit more complicated. But one thing that you can do is you can just look at the cash flow statement as well. Uh, if a company is reporting a certain amount of earnings, they should re be reporting at least that in terms of operating cash flow. If they're reporting less or significantly less, then we would say that that would reflect low earnings quality. So if you see a company that Keystone has recommended and you look at the income statement and you see a low level of profitability or no profit profitability, uh, it is very likely, well, it is a certainty that we have made adjustments yes. to uh, to that figure in order to come up with the cash-based value of what they're actually producing. And you'll be able to see that cash-based value more or less from the cash flow statement as well. That would be an easier way to to calculate it. So just as an example, um, you could we could be talking about a real estate investment trust well, a real estate investment trust, because of the way they report their earnings, uh, the earnings figure on the on the income statement is is essentially almost useless. You always look to cash flow as opposed to earnings, and this is something right across the board for real estate investment trusts. No analyst evaluates a real estate investment trust based on the reported earnings from their financial statement. They value it based on the cash flow that it generates, and there are other. Uh, industries and situations where where this is also the case. So um, that should answer the question. Reported accounting earnings are not necessarily the earnings that you want to look at. And then second part of that question was a stock screener. Do we use stock screeners? Uh, and the answer is no, not really. Now, I have no problem with the stock. I mean, essentially, we are the stock screeners for our clients, right? We, we are the, the mm -hmm. stock screeners. So we go out yeah. there, we look at thousands of companies on a yearly basis and we apply our financial criteria in order to select which companies deserve further analysis and even a recommendation for our clients. Um, I'm not necessarily against the use of stock screeners per se, but 
the problem with the stock screener is that they're not going to make the adjustments that I just talked about with respect to earnings. So they're not going to be able to dive deep into the financial statements and figure out, well, this is a non-cash item or this is a non-recurring item. So in a lot of cases, you could see uh, earnings being massively overstated where a company looks like it's producing a lot of earnings when in fact those aren't cash-based earnings or it could be the opposite. And you're going to get a very skewed result uh, when you're using a screener. So a lot of times the companies that we're looking for these unique situations, they may show up on a screener, but they may not. And other companies may show up on a screener and look really good. But when you drill down into the financial performance and actually provide actually use financial analysis, you'll figure out that they actually aren't. So if somebody wants to use a stock screener just to get a collection of companies that they can then look further into, we have no problem with that. Uh, but you cannot rely on the stock screener. You cannot rely on financial websites that report uh, earnings per share or valuation ratios because these systems, these applications aren't actually doing a deep dive on the financial analysis and factoring out all of the non-recurring, non-cash items. Uh, and that, if you don't understand how to do that and you're relying on these, these applications, it can be very disastrous. You can make some very bad investment decisions. Yeah, I mean, do a screener. It's better than not doing it. But the reason why we look at all companies in Canada at least twice a year, all 3,500, is because you, otherwise you're going to miss out on some situations. Um, and, you know, if you don't look at them and adjust them, look at the eye, look at the financial statements, you will miss out. I love to give real world examples of this. Uh, when we identified Expel Inc. when it traded on the TSX Venture, um, its profitability was essentially hidden by some one-time items. So when we looked at it, it looked like it was, you know, there was good growth in revenues, but the profitability looked relatively limited if you just looked at the income statement. When you when you adjusted out the profitability, I'll give you an example. It looked like it was making just under one cent per share in earnings in a quarter or on a quarterly basis. But when you adjusted out some of the one-time items there, it was closer to three cents. So when it was trading around $1.40, and we projected four quarters going forward is around 12 cents. So it was just trading at 11, you know, just over 11, 12 times earnings. When if you looked at the reported earnings, it may have looked at, uh, looked like it was trading at 30, 40 times earnings, which is a completely different situation. So once those one-time items kind of drifted off and came off in the next year, and the company grew at that time, you found a situation that was drastically undervalued at that point and you know we've seen expel gain from a dollar 40 up to you know trades plus 40 dollars today just three years later continuing to grow their earnings over time but if we would have used just a stock screener on that and used net income as our input for example it would have looked like an, an expensive company when it was trading at a dollar 40 when it was actually based on the cash earnings quite cheap at that time so that is why we look with our own eyes at every individual balance sheet every individual financial statement cash flow statement it's painstaking it takes a lot of time to do it but we're looking for one or two situations you know that are hidden in terms of uh their earnings and if you can find one of those and there's a good balance sheet there and there's good growth going forward, it has the potential to uh, produce tremendous returns and change your portfolio, which is what we're trying to do. And clients who invest in an Expel, you know, just three years ago, that stock 
has changed their portfolio over the last three years. And that is only found not through a screener, that is found by doing the painstaking research of looking through all these companies. And that's what we try to do on an annual basis. And we're going to go through now a painstaking process here. It is a new debate. It is called our case four debate. Uh, Brennan will be the judge, jury, and executioner for the first time, so no pressure here. Uh, this came in from a listener. He said, I've got two stocks in one segment. It was the green and renewable energy type segment or renewable segment. Uh, and we want to debate these two emerging growth stocks. I will debate one of them. That'll be Green Lane Renewables, Inc., symbol GRN on the TSX Venture. Uh, Aaron's going to debate Zebec, which we've talked about on the show in the past. Zebec Absorption, XBC on the TSX Venture as well. We're both going to provide the case for these two investments. And then Brennan's going to judge whether or not, you know, which investment looks more promising at present based on those arguments. So I'll give you a quick 411 on what Zebec does. They are a global provider of gas generation, purification, and filtration solutions for the in industrial energy and renewables markets. Now, GreenLane, on, on the other hand, is a global provider of biogas upgrading systems. The company's solutions create clean, low-carbon, renewable natural gas, or RNG, suitable for injection into natural gas grid, the grid, or for direct use as vehicle fuel. So that gives you a little brief introduction to those two businesses. And I guess, uh, Brennan, you can start, uh, I guess I'll just say Zebic trades at around $7.60, $708 million market cap. And Brennan, do you have a stopwatch there for oh, a minute? Oh, I'm prepared. Unlike uh, you are so prepared. When you were Unlike doing the judge, well, when you were the judge the other day, Ryan. Sorry, sorry for uh, throwing you under the bus there. But look uh, at that. He's <laughs> just just trying to throw us under the bus. Yes. Although we have to respect you right now. You're the judge. Oh, sorry, sorry, Brennan. Yeah. I wasn't prepared. Yeah, that's Anyways, right. Anyways, right. okay. Okay, uh, Aaron, so you ready first, for your? Before we start, though, I, I should mention as well that Ryan and I are not necessarily advocating a purchase of either of these companies. Each of us is tasked a good point. with yeah. presenting some of the positive fundamentals and positive reasons uh, that investors could look at to invest in one of these companies or consider that. There are risks uh, as well. There is another side to the argument. That's not the purpose of this segment to explore that. So if anybody does d decide to buy any of these, uh, do your own research as well, because we're really only talking about a part of the story. Maybe in the future, we could do a debate where uh, we, we, we talk about both sides as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and it's a great point to make. This is not a recommendation on these companies. We're just arguing the positive for each company and perhaps a small negative if we have that for each company. Now, uh, in this segment, we did a full report, 85, eight plus companies in the Canadian green and renewable energy segment. And we came out with three recommendations. Now, these companies are emerging in that segment. Good growth here. But we did not have these companies on our recommended list, just yes. as an FYI. So, yeah. So, I'm going to count Aaron in. Not right yet, but I'm just going to go three, two, one, go. So, uh, start on go. And are you ready, Aaron? I am ready. Three, two two, one, go. Zebic is a growth stock with strong top line fundamentals. Revenue grew 39% in the third quarter, 41% for the first nine months of the year, and 145% revenue growth last year in 2019. 
Zebix order backlog has grown 25% over the past 12 months, and the company reports nearly $1.2 billion in its current quote backlog, providing potential for explosive growth. Four acquisitions have also been completed this year since July. The company does have some history of profitability. Zebic will report a net loss in 2020 due to short-term investments into growth and COVID-19 factors. However, management continues to expect rapid growth in 2021 and a return to profitability. Zebic received conditional approval for an uplisting to the TSX, exposing it to an entirely new market of investors, new analyst coverage, and likely in addition to the TSX Cleantech Index. The company currently trades at a valuation of approximately 12 times revenues. This isn't especially cheap, but considering the growth, it's not that bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think you got it all in what there. Do you, what do you got, Ryan? I think you got it all in there. Uh, yes, yes. I think we strike the last second of that from the right. No, no, no. I don't, yeah. even, need, I don't even need that last second. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to need every second. Well, we'll so see. So I'm- Green Lane Renewables, uh, I'm just going to first say GRN on the TSX Venture trades at $1.36 with a $132 million market cap. Okay, so I'm going to count you in the same way. Are you ready, Ryan? I am ready. Three, two, one, go. The company has strong revenue growth. Q3 revenues rose 30% in a pandemic to 6.5 million. Number two, on the verge of profitability, Q3 adjusted EBITDA loss of just under 200,000 compared to 860,000 in Q3 2019. So a very strong improvement there. Huge order backlog increase, number three. 350% 350% backlog increase to 43.8 million and the sales pipeline is valued at over 690 million. There's significant insider buying in 2020. No insider selling. Zebic on the other hand had significant insider selling including from its CEO of up to 2.3 million and virtually no insider buying. Growth out to outlook for uh, green lane near term versus a growth pullback from Zebec. Finally, on a valuation basis, GreenLake trades at 6.5 times revenue or roughly half the 12 times valuation Zebec trades at. More growth, half the price, there is no doubt it's a better option. Wow. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, bring up a point here. He's throwing jabs in there, I'm gonna have to bring up a point here. Yeah, like my my understanding is what we were supposed to debate the merits (laughs) of the company and not add in reasons to not invest in the other company. Because I didn't hey. know that I was able oh, to add I was under the impression that there's no holds right, barred okay, here okay. and we could right, just go right, at them. It's good to know. It's good to know. <laughs> I, I looked Jeez. into both. <laughs> yes, you, you sure did. You threw a couple jobs and there's no doubt hey, about it. You got to um, punch What Revan doesn't right? know is that you, you as, a, as a surprise feature of this, of this segment of the podcast, his next paycheck actually does get invested in the company that he picks as the winner. Mm, yes, so no yes, cash, yes. just stock. Is that how it works? So eh? choose the entire choose page. wisely, Brennan. Choose wisely. Well, geez, and remember this that Zebic really has a history um, of some profitability. Look at him right, squirming. Right. You can tell he's squirming. Oh, I am. Point. I am squirming. Similar revenue growth. I mean, Zebec has a bit there. The backlog increase for GreenLane, that is astronomical. That's crazy. Um, but you know, I, have I guess to agree with again, yeah. we're growth at a reasonable price, uh, investors, you know, so I think, you know, when we're looking at possibly the growth in relation to, uh, the price to sales multiple, Ryan, you said green lane only has a six times 6.5, yeah. 6.5, you know, 
being a growth at a reasonable price investor, I think that I'm going to have to say that Ryan wins, especially with that huge increase in backlog. Um, and yeah, also those jabs. I mean, I, I can't uh, dis- discount those, you know, all of a sudden uh, saying that. I feel uh, bad. Aaron didn't seem prepared Zeta. for those. Caught me, well, caught, I, caught me I, a I know next time guard. I need no, to. No biggie. I'll, I'll accept yeah. it. Yeah. Just remember, Aaron. Yeah. Just remember for next time. I feel undefeated now. So let me ask you a question, Ryan. Well, you are. Somebody sticks a gun Which to your head and says, you have to invest a quarter of your portfolio into one of these companies. Which one would it be? Did you say Polaris infrastructure? <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> Zepic or Greenlane? Uh, it's uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? The problem is, I uh, I don't I don't invest in companies that aren't profitable. Well, as you know, so neither would make it. If I had to, I just took a bullet for profitability right there. Uh, hopefully, it was not a you know pointed at an organ. That's what I'm thinking. So I would take it. Just I'm taking it in the. So neither neither I'm taking it in the forearm. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, I mean, I see tremendous growth potential. We have invested in uh, green and renewable power companies and and a number of them. And I think these would rank, like out of the 85 companies that we had on there, they'd probably be in the top 10, right? But we're very stringent, as you know, in terms of uh, what we like and what we look at, and we don't step outside of that. Uh, it looks like Greenlane is progressing towards profitability. Zebec has been there in the past. We've interviewed management. We like the management team. Uh, but, you know, in this case, you're paying 12 times revenue, which, you know, if they execute everything perfectly, it can work. But, you know, it, you're really paying a high time, a high multiple to even what the peak EBITDA of this company had been. I mean, and that's something that uh, has always kind of scared us from Zbeck because, I mean, we've looked at it multiple times, but again, it's just always traded at uh, such a premium. Yeah. Um, for, you Driven know, by for a lot and of there has investor been... excitement as opposed to actual bottom line fundamentals, yeah. certainly. Mm-hmm. Good revenue growth. There has been, uh, there has been actual earnings, earnings on a per share basis. Uh, except they've always guided to a higher figure than they've actually hit. So over-promised, under-delivered. Uh, one of their, in the past, one of their reasons for the, in terms of earnings per share, the shortfall in a year was that they the share count increased. Well, management definitely has uh, control over the share count increasing. So I, we don't see that as a valid reason for your per share earnings going down or not, sorry, not going down, but not hitting the target that you set yourself for the And, and I'll, I'll make another so, point I mean, here. Sorry, Ryan, I'll let you finish there. Yeah. No, no. Just, it's, you it's, mentioned it's, 12 uh, times you think these are good companies valuation being right. expensive, right? So let's just clarify that a yes. little bit. If Zebec is going to grow at the 40% rate over the next several years or the 145% revenue growth rate that it had last year, then 12 times revenues is not expensive. I would actually argue that it's cheap. However, what Ryan is also um, trying to stress as well is that we don't know for, with certainty what the future growth rate is. So when you have a high multiple like that or a higher than market multiple, what the investor market is saying is that it is already factoring in a high level of growth. And if the company doesn't hit that high level of growth, even if it's still growing, then there could be a constr- contraction in the share price due to a valuation reassessment. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And but if we were confident that Zebic was going to go re- grow revenue at 50% a year for the next five years... 
12 times revenue. Yeah, and then and then it has to convert yeah, that exactly. revenue to cash flow, right? Over time, Certainly. obviously. I mean, there's that next step too. We're looking at that as well. So, I mean, we got to take that step and leap going forward that they're able to do that, which they haven't really proven they've been able to do in the past. Uh, we saw this in the cannabis sector where there's many companies promising growth and even producing revenue growth, but profitability escaped many of those. And most of those companies were absolutely destroyed and have been destroyed for you know the better part of 18 months. The profitable businesses in the cannabis sector, the ones that showed that they could be profitable, have done very well this past year. And our one recommendation in that segment, our top recommendation, has done tremendously well because it has been an outlier in terms of the profitability. In the end, profitability does matter. You can have all the growth, all the hype, all the uh, the revenue projections going forward in terms of growth, but you need to have cash flow. You need to have profitability. It eventually comes down to that in the market, and if you don't have that long term, it's not going to be a sustainable uh, share price increase. You know, you've seen that in the cannabis sector, the renewable sector. We think it'll be no different. I mean, you need to have profitability over time. Not we think, we know it will be the same. Yeah. And, and just like back to that point on growth, if Aaron would have said, you know, Zbeck was, had a, had grown its backlog at maybe 100%, you know, maybe I would have been swayed to go to Zbeck's uh, or, you know, to, to vote that Aaron was the winner. Um, but, you know, just that backlog, which again is just representing future revenue here. Um, you know, when we're seeing it increase so much with Greenlane, uh, there is a better chance that possibly that growth is actually going to be realized on Greenlane's side. Is that not correct with both you guys? Do you agree with that? Certainly. But one thing you also need to consider as well is, is like, take an example. Would you rather a company that grew its backlog 50% from 100 million to 150 million? True. It depends on the Or who grew its backlog base. 200% from 1 million to 3 million? That is correct. Yeah. Right. So these are all the things that, that, that we have to factor in. But you still make a good point because the reality is that um, uh, Zbix backlog is only, I believe, twice as much. It's about 88 million compared to uh, Green Lanes, which is, I think, about 45. So it's only about twice as much. So there isn't that differential. And what you say um, is relevant, I think, to, to this individual case. But it's something that people also have to take into account is that it's easy to get a high growth rate when you're coming off. Of, of a low base. But then, of course, backlogs also need to be analyzed separately, too, because a, a backlog for one company may be reported differently than a backlog for another. And this is all this all just comes down to analysis. Yeah, and we could go on and on <laughs> about it. If they execute on the backlog and one smaller but highly profitable and the other one they execute on the backlog and there's low margin or they lose money on that backlog, it's, it's you know, it's not going to be a good turnout well for the company that doesn't execute profitably on their backlog either so you know there's many factors that go in especially when you compare two companies even if they're apples to apples it's it's a it's a difficult comparison these aren't exactly apples to apples even though they're in the same segment roughly speaking mm -hmm. okay so let's look at our uh, your stock our take it's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold it came in from a listener it's uh cargo jet inc cjt on the tsx trades around 209 210 dollars right now brennan you are tasked with this one we'll let you have it yes thanks ryan so again Car cargo jet cjt on the tsx uh currently trading at a price of around 210 dollars 
a market cap of 3.4 billion and a slight yield of 0.4%. So CargoJet is Canada's leading provider of time-sensitive domestic network air cargo services. It owns a fleet of 27 aircraft and its main cargo business is comprised of operating domestic air cargo between 15 major Canadian cities, providing dedicated aircraft to customers on an aircraft crew maintenance and insurance basis uh, and they give this segment the acmi uh, and then also operating uh, scheduled international routes between the u.s and bermuda canada and germany and also between canada and mexico so just running over some key points here uh, amazon does utilize cargo jets overnight air network and charter aircraft services to move packages and in august of 2019 cargo jet actually announced a strategic agreement with amazon where cargo jet will issue warrants to amazon to purchase variable voting shares that will vest based on the achievement of commercial milestones related to amazon's business with cargo jet so essentially amazon is looking to take an equity stake here in cargo jet which is nice to see uh, as well, CargoJet stock has performed very well over the past decade and has recently benefited from the COVID-19 pandemic because of increased online shopping and a reduction of passenger aircraft operating in international routes, leading to strong demand for CargoJet services. So looking at these uh, or the company's financial results here for Q3 of 2020, revenue has been growing at a great pace, of course, fueled by COVID-19, increasing 39% in the last nine months compared to the same nine-month period in 2019. And that's compared to pre-COVID growth of approximately 7% uh, year over year. Uh, 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA was 256 million, an increase of 72% from the same 12 trailing month period last year. And currently the company is trading with a trailing enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of 15 times, which I would say is attractive if this level of revenue and EBITDA growth can persist post COVID-19. And just to help us decide whether strong growth will continue into the future, we can look at a few comments made by management. Uh, just two here. They say uh, e-commerce growth continues to accelerate due to many businesses moving sales online. And the second point here is that reduced global air cargo capacity as a result of extremely reduced passenger flights led to strong growth in its ACMI segment that the company believes will continue in the short to medium term. So to conclude on CargoJet here, I like that it is a dominant player in the Canadian airline cargo space and the company is positioned to benefit from increased online shopping, which I believe will continue to see solid growth into the future. Uh, and the company's partnership with Amazon is also something that I think is great for the company's growth prospects as Amazon is showing interest in becoming a shareholder of CargoJet. Now, of course, the big question here is whether growth in revenue and EBITDA can continue or will both figures slip somewhere between pandemic and pre-pandemic levels. Now, given that the company recently put up 39% in revenue growth compared to 7% for the same period between 2018 and 2019, I would expect the growth rate to taper back to near pre-pandemic levels in the long run. So, Another question, or I guess the, the primary question here is, are we paying a decent price for CargoJet stock in relation to its growth rate and enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of 15 times? 
Now, I would say that the nice thing here is that CargoJet stock does not appear to be priced to perfection and could offer growth at a reasonable price. That is to say that CargoJet is not trading at an extremely high valuation, and if growth does indeed taper off, the stock may not plummet as if it were trading at 25 times enterprise value to EBITDA or higher. And Aaron kind of even addressed this when we when he was talking about uh, Zbeck, where if all of a sudden they miss, if that growth rate does pull back, you know, that price to sales multiple of 12 times actually appears very, very pricey. So the stock might really pull back. Um, now, this is not a stock. Uh, CargoJet is not a stock that we would recommend to Keystone clients. But I do think that it is a great company uh, with a bright future that is trading at a reasonable multiple and personally a stock that I wouldn't be afraid to hold in my own portfolio. Excellent, I was just taking a look at the press releases on the company here and the CEO put out a, a notification that he was selling, I believe it's 46% of his shares for um, diversification, estate planning and charitable giving purposes. So a lot of people might, uh, I believe that the stock price is down since the 30th, it's down over the last week. So a lot of people will look at that as, as a bad sign that the CEO is selling a portion of his, of his holdings. I personally don't. I, I, I like the fact that he's announcing this and he's coming right out and explaining, listen, I'm going to sell some of these because, you know, it's probably about 99% of his net worth. Um, but he's explaining why, as opposed to a lot of times CEOs do that. They don't give an explanation and the the market impact is is worse so i would agree with your your assessment uh brendan i i think cargo jets it's it's a good company um, one of the things that really has driven growth over the last couple of years here is that they signed a long-term contract with canada post i don't have in front of me how long that contract is i tend to think it's probably about 10 years but don't quote me on that um so at one point they're gonna have to re um rebid for that contract and, and compete for it again but um They've certainly, they're in the right position right now. I mean, they, they were benefiting from the long-term trend of e-commerce and then the pandemic accelerated that in the near near term. So some good fundamentals from the company. Yeah, it's been a stellar performer over the long term and that has continued this year. And certainly with uh, fuel prices being lower, that impacts the business positively. And then you've seen more, you know, more packages being delivered all over the world amazon i'm sure they're delivering more canada post they're delivering more i know that there's more and more packages being delivered to my house every day i can see that so i mean that's just anecdotally but you see it all over the neighborhood so they you've had adoption of you know e-commerce uh shopping online uh at a at a high high rate given that we've been under you know some form of lockdown for the better part of this year so uh, definitely positives for cargo, cargo jets business. And you talked about, is it sustainable? There's probably a level of new normal in there in that, um, in that, you know, people adopted it, saw how fast you can get, you know, any type of item almost shipped to your door and how convenient that can be. So, uh, whether or not it's all of the business that stays once we open up at some point again, there's probably a good portion of that that stays on. Yeah, and it's just nice to uh, see that it's not trading at a you know outrageous uh, multiple, um, which of course you know when when all of a sudden a lot of companies do see you know uh, not normal growth in the short term and they're trading at really really high multiples. That's definitely something to be scared of. Um, but of course, maybe the the general market's just thinking that uh, growth will taper back here a bit. Um, so you know that's just being priced in. But anyways, yes, yep. uh, continue for sure.
Okay, well, that'll about do it for our show this week. Thank you, too, for co-hosting with me. I'd like to thank our listeners for their questions in and that suggestion to have those two companies, uh, the case for and a little bit of debate between those two companies. It, uh, it was a good segment, and we'll do it again. So send in a couple companies, and we can take a look at them. So keep those questions coming in, uh, and we'd also like you to keep remind you to rate us and review us on Apple uh, Podcasts or iTunes. Keep those rates, ratings coming in. We'd love to see that. Keep the questions coming in. Everybody, stay safe out there, and I'd wish you profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>